coming spring. It's great to see all of you here in person. And hello to you online and on the patio. Um, as always, I'm very grateful and humbled to have the chance to wrestle with God's word all week and cry out to God and ask him what's the good news um, for us, for Living Spring Church, and then to humbly um, just kind of offer some thoughts. So thanks for bearing with me and for being here. Um, and it's really good that you guys are here. And so personally and communally, and it just seems like our whole world is starving for salvation, for a salvation that is good news, not only for us personally, but that has good news to bring together and to reconcile our divided world. Um, so I really want you to tune into that hunger for a really true and a really holistic salvation this morning, um, because that is what we are going to be discovering together. And as we begin, I want you to reflect and to think about a person who was really different than you, who you might consider other in a very significant way. And I want you to think about how that relationship or that encounter with that person, how it transformed your faith or just yourself in some way. Um, how did it transform your relationship with God? when you interacted and had a relationship that was someone very different than you. For me, one of the first times that I experienced the transforming power of relationships with those who are incredibly different um, was in high school. So in high school, I went to Tesoro. Anyone know that? It's in Southern Orange County. Um, but my twin sister and I were at this big public high school and Jesus had really got a hold of our hearts, and so we decided to start this prayer group during break. Um, and so we just invited all of the outcasts at school and anyone who was lonely or looked like they didn't have any friends. And then um, we would pray with them, and we invited other Christians too. And so we would all stand in a circle in our big public high school and pray and just invite people to pray to God. Um, and so one time... There was this boy who was really ostracized, and I think he had done something crazy, and everyone was judging him and making fun of him. And so that week, we're like, hey, do you want to come pray with us? And he was very um, skeptical at first, and he actively talked about hating God. Um, but for some reason, he was like, okay, fine. And so he like had his arms crossed. Um, but as he continued to come day after day, the kindness of our small group, and the love of God seeped through his really um, big walls, and he actually ended up giving his life to God. And then he kept calling me every week, and would, we would go and pick him up at his house and bring him to our church. Um, and, so, and then he started telling other people about Jesus, too. So it was just a really, a really beautiful story um, at a young age in my faith of how God can use us, can use diverse Christian community to bring life, to save people on multiple levels. So this boy, he went from having no friends um, to having the best friend in the world, Jesus, and to having a group um, of friends as well at school. And so one person we see in the Bible who his salvation transforms an entire community is Zacchaeus. So you might know Zacchaeus from the nursery rhyme that talks about the wee little man climbing up a tree. Um, but if we look closer at Zacchaeus, it's actually a radical story of the power of the kingdom of God to transform a whole community and for salvation to be good news for the rich and the poor. Um, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. 
is Zacchaeus. And then, John, do you have the slide? Oh. Oh, they're running. Sorry. So we can move on to the next one. Um, so there we see Zacchaeus on the screen. And so I just encourage you, even if you've heard this story so many times, um, in the children's wing, we talk about how God's stories are full. So every time we approach God's stories, we can receive something new. So I just invite you to be open to that. Um, and to give a little context for my use of the word salvation, I'm actually defining it according to the book of Luke. And so how Luke defines it is it that it's God's holistic saving mission. So it's not only spiritual and individual, but in Luke, the word sozo, it's used in so many different levels. So Jesus is going around and he's saving people's spirits. He's saving people from social ostracization. That word is hard. He's saving people um, from loneliness, from isolation, from poverty. Jesus' saving in Luke is tangible, it's holistic, and it affects us and it affects the people that Jesus interacts with on multiple levels. So if you want to follow along, I'm going to have you open up your Bible to Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Um, or you can look up at the screen here if you can read the tiny words. Um, and I invite you um, to join me in prayer as we prepare our hearts to receive God's word. God, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to show us what your kingdom is like. God, we thank you that you save us through our relationships with people who are different than us. God, we thank you that your salvation um, is so multi-layered, God, that you want to use all of us in relationship with one another um, to fully save us and to fully heal us and to transform our families, our communities, and our world. So we just invite your salvation power um, to be so present with us this morning. It's in your um, saving and powerful name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. Alrighty, so Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And a little context, this passage comes towards the end of Luke, and it's when Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is the place where the religious leaders, the political authorities, they're so angry at Jesus' holistic vision of salvation that they want to crucify him and they want to kill him. But we know um, the end to that story. So that is our context. So Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, 
Today, salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in the story of Zacchaeus, who do you relate most to? Do you relate most to Zacchaeus, who was the sinner, but who received Jesus with such joy and wanted to change his whole life? and was ready to do that? Or like maybe I do, do you relate more to those in the crowd who were grumbling? They were part of Jesus's peasant band and they loved Jesus and he saved them. But more and more they were seeing that Jesus kept opening the door wider and wider and including people that they weren't ready for him to include. Or maybe you relate to Jesus who was open to receiving a sinner at his home to having a meal with someone who everyone else hated. Or maybe you relate to all three. I also want you to think, is there any other things as we're reading this text afresh that you noticed? I'm going to draw your attention to what I noticed and what I spent um, this week researching. So one thing I noticed is we actually get a lot of information about Zacchaeus. So the rest of Jesus' disciples, we like barely know anything about them, but with Zacchaeus, we get multiple verses um, that give us very specific details that have very very significant um, meaning in the book of Luke. So we know that he is a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So in the book of Luke, um, both of these things were kind of often pitted against each other. So throughout Luke, being wealthy was actually um, not a great thing, and it actually signified that it might be hard to be saved. Um, And one of the stories was of the rich young ruler who actually rejected um, Jesus's invitation to discipleship. Um, And so the text is saying that this wealthiness might inhibit um, Zacchaeus from receiving God's kingdom and receiving salvation is what we initially might think um, when we see those words. And then we also see that he is not only a tax collector, but a chief tax collector. And so tax collectors um, during this time, they would better be known as toll collectors. And so they were hired by the Roman government and they were given the money upfront and then they would charge their own people all of this extra commission and interest. And so they just exploited um, their own people. And so they were exiled from the religious community Um, and were just really despised by, honestly, everyone. Um, But in Luke, we actually see that tax collectors seem to be redeemable. Um, Throughout Luke, there's this theme of Jesus being a friend of sinners. So that's the insult that the Pharisees would throw at Jesus was, ah, Jesus, he's a friend of sinners. Um, But Jesus never seemed to be mad about that. He always welcomed that. Um, And we'll go to our next slide. And so I always wondered if maybe Zacchaeus at a tax collector staff meeting heard about this great party at the tax collector Levi's house, and maybe that's what initially um, piqued his interest. We can speculate, but we don't actually know. Um, But so earlier in Luke, it says, then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. 
I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So it seems like there might be hope um, for tax collectors. And then <laughs> there's one more example. Well, yeah, this is a fun um, picture. There's actually a bunch of them online. I need to, I'll get you guys the photographer later. I should have cited that. But he takes a lot of pictures of people today, um, and it's, um, it can really spark a lot in your imagination. And then lastly, here's another example of a tax collector um, that Jesus is trying to get us to really um, get us thinking about God's kingdom in a new way, is the Pharisee who would be someone like me, someone teaching um, religious stuff, someone who would go to church, who would pray a lot, and he's the one who prays with all this pride, and God probably doesn't really hear that prayer. But then the tax collector is the one who is humbling himself, and he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Um, so we're noticing this pattern that even the people we think are the worst of sinners, um, God might especially have mercy on them, and God might especially befriend them. So now we've really discovered that Zacchaeus was wealthy, he was a tax collector, and then we also see in the text that he's short. So he's a shorty. But <laughs> some... Some translations or some people actually think that it was actually referring to his age, that the same Greek word um, that was used for short is also used for age. So he could have been young. He could have been short. Um, either way, he wasn't able to see Jesus. And I also think, I bet the whole crowd, if I was one of them, I would get us to band together, probably, hopefully not, but, and I bet they probably banded together so that Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus, because I bet for them, they're like, Zacchaeus is the last person Jesus would want to see. Um, so this horrible sinner, we actually see him be curious about Jesus, the friend of sinners and the poor. So we see him run ahead, which would be um, not the most dignifying move for a man of his stature and of his authority. And then we see him climb a sycamore tree. Um, so now he is standing above everyone, and he's curious, and he wants to see Jesus. And somehow Jesus might sense this openness um, and this potential for conversion. So Jesus, he finds him. Sorry, I'm finding my text. And he says... He looked up and he said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And what is Zacchaeus' response? It is one of joy and gladness. Um, Zacchaeus is happy to come down. Um, and yeah, and so I just think that response of Zacchaeus is so beautiful to imagine that just through like five seconds with Jesus is enough for him to change for him to willingly come down from his space above everyone, looking down at everyone, and to come on this even level with Jesus, who's this poor, peasant, itinerant preacher. So that would take a lot of humility for Zacchaeus to come down and to receive Jesus as a guest. But when the people get word of Jesus' latest dinner guest or dinner companion, they see this and they begin to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Knowing Zacchaeus' background that we just talked about, the response of the crowd is not very surprising. Even this week, I found myself asking Jesus, 
Why Zacchaeus? Why couldn't it be someone more vulnerable, maybe one of Jesus' crew who is humble and quiet and just serving him all along? Like, why can't we highlight that person? Um, But I guess this is the whole point. Jesus is a friend of sinners, even the ones we most despise and most get under our skin. In my experience, Jesus' welcome and embrace to those who are other is beautiful and amazing, but it can sometimes feel offensive to my small notions of God's kingdom. Then we come to the crux of the passage, in my opinion, where Zacchaeus' salvation becomes real on multiple levels. The text doesn't let us know if there's a time between Zacchaeus coming down from the tree And when he proclaims to Jesus all that he's going to do as a new person. But I'm wondering, maybe Zacchaeus had dinner with Jesus and his motley crew of followers. All of the blind beggars who were healed. The poor peasant farmers. The children he welcomed. The lepers he healed. And that having dinner with them, Zacchaeus, inviting all of those people he would never normally associate with. I wonder if that helped transform Zacchaeus' perspective on his possessions and on his line of work. All we know for sure, though, is that something has changed with Zacchaeus. His encounter with Jesus and Jesus' crew has changed him. We know this because Zacchaeus turns from just being curious about who Jesus is to calling him Lord. He calls him Lord. Zacchaeus boldly says aloud to Jesus, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. This is crazy generous. I'm imagining at the table with Jesus and his followers, he's getting his account book out right then and there. He's like, money for you, I defrauded you, here you go. And then someone's sitting on a couch, they're like, I like this one. He's like, okay, take it. Um, And these relationships um, with all of Jesus' followers, he's just settling it right then and there. He's just giving out his money um, through these relationships and through um, his encounter, his powerful, evocative encounter with Jesus. So we see Zacchaeus is liberated from his former dehumanizing ways of living that left him isolated and despised and alone. And now he is no longer entrapped by greed or using people for his own gains. His salvation is actually tangible good news for the poor who are paid back potentially in his very presence and who are now the recipients of half of his possessions. Jesus proclaims that here and now salvation has come to Zacchaeus, and not only to him, but to his whole household. Jesus emphasizes Zacchaeus' new identity as part of the people of God when he calls him a son of Abraham. And I bet that really irked Jesus' followers to have Zacchaeus be included as one of them. So they're being challenged in all of this too. So Jesus is proclaiming, Zacchaeus is one of us now. No one is beyond my power and my love, not even him. This salvation of Zacchaeus is holistic and incredibly good news for rich and for poor. It restores Zacchaeus to right relationship with God, with his community, with himself, and with his resources. I imagine Zacchaeus just 
filled with lightness and joy as the shackles of greed and being alone um, are just broken off of him. He has been holistically saved on all levels, transformed by encounters with Jesus and fellowship with those who are incredibly different than him. And the crowd, as we've mentioned, have been changed too. They've received some free stuff and some um, payback, and they've seen Jesus's power to restore and to transform and to save the worst of sinners. God's transforming and saving power is always mutual. It's never us saving another, but God always saving both of us at the same time through relationship. Gregory Boyle expands on this concept. He is the founder of Homeboy Industries, and he talks a lot about the concept of kinship. And so he talks about how Jesus wasn't trying to be up above anyone, but Jesus was with people. Um, so he says, not serving the other, but being one with the other. Jesus was not a man for others. He was one with them. According to Boyle, there is a world of difference in that. For me personally, God has used my friendships or encounters with people who are so different than me or people at the margins to transform me and invite me to a more holistic salvation. So when I lived in Washington State, I was on staff at a ministry that led jail chaplaincy in a small county jail. And so my faith was really struggling and really fragile at the time. And I really, um, as I've shared before, I was just really doubting God's goodness and just my faith was struggling. Um, but I was faithful to show up in the jail. Um, and my relationship with those ladies was surprisingly, incredibly transforming. Um, and their raw, open, and hung honesty and hunger for God just really inspired me um, after all they were going through. Um, that I didn't have to have this doubt, that I didn't have to be cynical, that I really could have trust and hope um, in God's goodness. So they really did, um, they really did save my faith and they really taught me about the kingdom of God. Um, and one particular woman, her name is Danielle and I'm still really good friends with her and I originally met her in jail when she was pregnant with her first son and um, she got out a few months later and then our whole community surrounded her and now her husband, um, just with love and healing and support. And now she and her husband, after five years, um, they are now starting their own church um, and they have three kids. Um, and so a few weeks ago, I got to visit Washington and so I was with them. And the next picture is Asher, who I originally met in jail. That was him at a soccer game. He's like freakishly tall but for his age, but he's the best. And then I got to hang out with their family afterward. Um, it was October, but they all wanted to put on their Team Santa pajamas. Um, but so they have a church now, and I actually called them now um, for advice on ministry. Um, and they um, really helped me out. So that is one example. And then one more current example is just this week. Um, well, I'll get to that, but just this week, there's someone on campus, and she gave me permission to share this, but she's experiencing homelessness right now, and um, yeah, and she's a, a beautiful person, but we've kind of been wrestling a bit because um, she's kind of snuck in or broken in and slept here at the church a few times when she hasn't been allowed to, um, but then she has really caused me to wrestle this week because she's like, Michelle, doesn't God own the church? I'm like, whoa, like you're right. 
Um, and so she's made me really um, do some soul searching on what is the role of the church in housing the homeless. And so um, Pastor John and I have been looking into a few different options and she's the one who really sparked that and really sparked that deep wrestling. So if ministry to the homeless and potentially doing a transitional shelter here a few times a year seems like something you would want to be a part of. We need the whole community um, to get on board, and we're going to have an information meeting just to even see if it would work um, in the next few weeks. So if you want to be a part of learn, I see Nina raising her hand. If you want to be part of just learning more, there's no commitment on our part or their part. Um, let me know, and I will connect you. And then the other example, yeah, is just some of our more relational outreaches we've been doing. Um, the reason we do them is because salvation and life happens through relationship. And so this is really simple, but we've just been after school when they get out on Wednesdays for early release. That's Tracy just <laughs> preaching the word. Um, but we have just been offering free snacks and free prayer and just getting to know parents and kids getting out of school. So we're trying to do that on the second and fourth Wednesday. Um, Nina was there too. And so that's just, a, again, a great way to get to know our neighbors. Um, and then the Friday night hangout, that's our vision too, is to also um, just get to know the kids in our neighborhood, get to know their parents, um, and just learn from them and invite them um, into the kingdom of God and experience that together. So what or who might Jesus be inviting you into relationship with? Who um, might he be inviting to transform you? Maybe it's your spouse. Um, maybe it's someone you see on the side of the road and you've never stopped and said hello or had a conversation. Maybe it's someone on Facebook that you're like friends with on Facebook, but you're not really friends with, and you just really, uh, they get under your skin. Maybe God is inviting you um, to pray for them, to really ask God, God, what is the potential you see in them? and to listen to what God might have to say and to pray that over them. Maybe God is inviting you to learn another language so you can better communicate um, with your neighbors and understand their culture. We see in the final verse of our passage that Jesus' mission is to seek and save the lost. What good news. But maybe we need to start First, with our own encounters with Jesus, to recognize that we are sinners in need of Jesus to come to our house tonight. And just think about it. If Jesus were to come over, you were to host him for dinner, how would you respond? What do you think he would say to you? How do you think his presence would invite you into salvation, into transformation that is good news for rich and for poor? That's something maybe you could pray about and think more about this week. Now is the time in our service when we're going to tr transition into the sacrament of communion, eating the bread and drinking the wine with Jesus at the same table with each other. Communion is a good place for us to start. Communion helps us receive fellowship and salvation with Jesus so that we can offer his fellowship, inclusion, and love to others. So Zacchaeus, the wee little man from Sunday school, reminds us that we need each other, 
that our salvation doesn't happen alone, but in community. And our salvation, when we encounter and experience God, it has the potential to change our lives and the lives of our community. So Jesus' love and his power and his saving power is so much more powerful and grand than we could ever imagine. And we're all welcome at Jesus' table to be transformed by him and by one another. So as we end our time together, I invite everyone to stand um, for the blessing. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, may Jesus invite you down out of your sycamore trees. Would you expect that Jesus will meet you and transform you in your encounter with him? Will you expect that he will bring relationships with people who are different than you to liberate you and to save you and to transform you into a person who brings good news to their community? So today, salvation has come to your house because you too are a son of Abraham and a daughter of Sarah. So go in peace, Living Spring. Amen.